Today's sponsor for TFE is brought to you by Amazon's Audible.com service, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio. Welcome everybody to TFE Radio Wrestling Episode 5, 5 time, 5 time, 5 time, 5 time, 5 time, WCW World Heavyweight Champion, no, 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 it's, it's, not, Booker, it's not Booker T, it's yours truly, the humble and host with the most, your humble host and narrator, James Strength Navarro, welcome back everybody, this is Saturday, November 28th, 2020, this is your fifth episode of TFE Radio Wrestling, as I mentioned, and we are going to have a bit of a shorter show this week, I am a little bit um, running on empty right now as I've been recording all day, of course to deliver this TFE Radio Network and all the shows under the network, including this particular show, uh, it was a bit more of a slower week in the professional wrestling business as we have already gone through the Survivor Series in full gear uh, during this month of November. Of course, I'm glad that you all enjoyed the review of the Survivor Series last week, including my take on The Undertaker's Farewell. And here we start off, unfortunately, with some bad news. Uh, Bob Ryder uh, was one of the founders of Impact Wrestling, had passed away uh, four days ago, actually. He was born on October 1956. He had died four days ago on November 24th. Uh, he was an American professional wrestling journalist and one of the founders of Impact Wrestling. If you know anything about Bob, uh, I had particularly had been sort of uh, made privy of Bob's uh, presence in the wrestling business by watching... Um, uh, the uh, the the documentary that was based off of uh, it was basically was the the answer to WCWE's uh, the rise and fall of ECW. It was the um, I believe it was called Hardcore Forever or something of that nature. It was the documentary. Bob Ryder was a part of it, and I had become more uh, aware of his involvement in the wrestling business, having been that he was a part of WCW, uh, especially in the, the later years before it had been bought out from WWE. And then, of course, he was one of the founders at the time of, uh, and one of the founders of all time of TNA Wrestling, NWA TNA uh, now known as TNA Wrestling, and then eventually what we know today as Impact Wrestling. Uh, he has passed away, unfortunately, and I will give you a bit more brief uh, background about um, Bob. As, um, you know, he was considered, and this is as of Wikipedia, some of these notes and some of these uh, points I'm gathering, uh, some of my, uh, my points about him. Uh, he had been the innovator in online wrestling community, 
as he was head of Prodigy's professional wrestling area. During this time, he became the first person to conduct an online interview for the World Wrestling Federation, WWF, now known as WWE, when he interviewed Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels during WrestleMania 11 in 1995. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had some ties to the WWF earlier on when he had started in the wrestling business. Um, he was also the founder of OneWrestling.com. A lot of you uh, know that he uh, was involved in that particular uh, website along with Joey Styles and uh, Bill Apter and uh, various number of other uh, big prominent names in the business. And he was also uh, the webmaster for ECW, which I actually did not know until I read this on Wikipedia. I thought he was just a part of... Um, one wrestling, which I had always seen his name, because whenever I would go to the website, I was always seeing Bob Ryder, and then I was always remembering the documentary later on, uh, seeing, uh, I believe, again, it was Hardcore Forever. Um, uh, I think it was called that, or ex Extreme Forever. You know what? I think I'm going to actually have to look this up, because uh, I, I don't want to give you wrong information here. Um... He was, in fact, a part of the documentary. Uh, I'm going to go actually go back here for a second here, as this is why we are live to air, excuse me, live to tape. Um, let's see here. It was Hardcore Forever, I believe it was. I think it was Hardcore Forever. I could be wrong. I know a lot of you wrestling fans are screaming at me right now, but it's all good. Yes, it was, excuse me, it was Forever Hardcore, the 2005 documentary. Uh, that was the documentary that I first saw Bob and was made more aware of what he did in the business aside from just being a part of OneWrestling.com. But yes, he was in fact a part of Forever Hardcore and he talked about uh, his time in WCW and um, the, the incident that had happened at the time between Paul Heyman and Sabu where they um, uh, were, were looking out for Sabu to make his debut, and they were waiting for him. And I think it was also Mike Awesome. And I think from the, what the story goes, if I'm not mistaken, was that Bob was telling the story of how Paul had sent the cops to Nitro to basically cease and desist. Uh, I think it was Mike Awesome from uh, appearing on Nitro that night. I think it was back in 2000 when they were doing the um, the, the New Blood angle against the the uh, the Millionaires Club or whatever you have you call it. But um, yeah, so Bob had a speaking role in that. He was a talking head. But um, you know, getting back to Bob himself, um, see, see, I remember that he was a part of that. That was the first time I ever seen him. Um, Excuse me. And as we get back to Bob himself, uh, he was, in fact, a prominent figure in the creation and the culmination of uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, Bob had been a part of the wrestling business already at that point, as I had mentioned. But what I did not know, as I said, was that he was a webmaster for ECW and their website. Now, it further states that during the Monday Night Wars, Ryder worked for World Championship Wrestling, WCW, where he co-hosted WCW Live with Jeremy Borash, who's now with the WWE. 
He was close friends with WCW President Eric Bischoff. Along with Borash, their voices were the last to ever be heard on a WCW broadcast after it was bought out by WWF in 2001. Uh, so now this is the story, and this is how it goes. Uh, I'm going to try to maybe not read as much of this off of Wikipedia as possible and try to put this in my own words. I don't want to plagiarize here, but uh, it is very poignant of how Bob became uh, a, a prominent figure and a prominent person, a part of Impact's fabric and their foundation. Concerned about a WWF monopoly in the professional wrestling industry after the fall of WCW and ECW, Bob, uh, excuse me, Ryder, Bob Ryder convinced Jeff and Jerry Jarrett to start a pay-per-view exclusive promotion in what would become NWA Total Nonstop Action and is now known as Impact Wrestling. Ryder was the first and longest tenured employee in the company's history, being employed from its launch in 2002 until his death in 2020. I wasn't aware that he actually was a part of the company still, even after uh, you know, basically the new regime had come in and um, the the regime of uh, of what we see now, which is Scott Demore and uh, uh, Don Callis heading up uh, the the, um, the 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 company for um, Anthem Sports, who are the owners of Impact Wrestling now. Um, you know, the company that has the owl as their logo, but. I did not know he was still working with TNA at that, uh, excuse me, Impact Wrestling, Force of Habit, Impact Wrestling. I did not know that. So I'm learning just as you are too, for those of you who do not know. He held multiple positions in the company, including working as their director of travel operations. Um, now just a bit about himself and his health, which made this very shocking to know because I again I had not known about his whereabouts to some point uh, recently I had seen his name popped up somewhere in some news report or something of that nature and I think it had to do with what I'm about to read you during the last few years of his life Ryder battled multiple uh, myeloma he was initially given three to six months to live Jesus I did not know that but eventually saw his cancer go into remission However, his cancer returned and he was found dead in Nash his Nashville home on November 25th, which was now three days ago, at the age of 64. He had maintained his position in Impact and worked from home while undergoing chemotherapy. In a statement released after his death, Impact referred to him as the heart and soul of the promotion. And knowing everything as I get more into his role and involvement in Impact, not only was he a founder, but he was—he really was the foundation of the company. And the things that he did in order to keep this company afloat and going, you will hear the stories as time goes on, but he really was the, the fabric of the company, even after Jeff uh, Jarrett had left, after obviously Jerry Jarrett had left, after Vince Russo, Russo was let go, was fired, whatever you want to have you. Uh, Dixie Carter was ousted. You know, the Carter family was gone from being the foundation's, uh, uh, excuse me, being Impact Wrestling's uh, foundational um, financing and owners uh, and, and all the different regimes. And now we know that it was because of Bob. Bob was a huge part of why the company has stayed afloat and has never business, thankfully. Um, but he will be sorely missed. 
And, he, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family, his friends, his colleagues, his co-workers, his contemporaries, all his colleagues, everybody. And uh, those of you who were um, in the know of Bob's existence in Impact Wrestling and in the wrestling business, he basically had been a part of, as I just read and I've told you from the beginning, he was a part of basically every major wrestling promotion of the last 20 years. Um, you know, and he had worked with other companies and uh, being a liaison and doing um, uh, business dealings with other companies like Ring of Honor. And, uh, you know, I believe that there were some talks there with AEW as well. And he was a part of everything. He had played a prominent role in trying to bring a lot of these promotions together and work together and having a working talent exchange and things of that nature. So Bob uh, handled the travel and he was a... Um, he was a renaissance man of sorts in the company from what I understand and in the business of the of the wrestling business and he's definitely left the wrestling business a better place. Uh, he's gone to the big wrestling ring in the sky or in his case maybe the big wrestling office in the sky and uh, he will be sorely missed. But uh, we will be back after these messages, a word from our sponsor, may Bob Ryder rest in peace and we will be back a moment, uh, in a moment, excuse me. Amazon's Audible service is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio. That's www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio and get started today. Welcome back, everybody, to TFU Radio Wrestling, Episode 5, five, to- five Time, Five Time, Five Time, Five Time. No, it's it's more appropriately named as Five Time, because I don't want to repeat the Five Time like I've been doing already. This is our second segment for Saturday, November 28th, 2020. Once again, I'm your humble host and narrator, James Strength Navarro. As I mentioned, it's going to be a bit of a shorter show. Not so much of a busy week in the wrestling business. Like I said, I don't do reviews too much unless it's a major pay-per-view that I'm very interested in watching. Or in the case of this Wednesday coming up will be the big, huge, touted AEW Dynamite. You know, winter is coming. Big episode that they're promising is going to be the biggest Dynamite yet. And I'm looking forward to it as it will be Kenny Omega challenging. John Moxley for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship and of course some other matches that will be going on but other than that I would not be uh, doing full reviews of um, every show that comes down the pike from whatever big company is putting content out there if there's something that catches my eye and I do in fact uh, go and watch it I will definitely give you a review of it and my thoughts results and reviews and opinions about it but uh, going to get to something that I wanted to get to since there is some time here in the show and um, you know it was a bit of a slower week and of course I'm not doing any reviews right now as I did the Survivor Series review last week and then a couple weeks before that it was the full gear pay-per-view from AEW and their offering 
uh, I wanted to get to this particular topic because I always wondered about this and thought, you know, this would be something interesting to speak about. This was inspired by a conversation I had with someone very close to me. Um, and I was like, you know what? It triggered something that I wanted to bring up. And that is, was WWE's tough enough? Was it a curse? I think it was. I think it was much like how making the band was with Puff Daddy on MTV where, uh, you know, he made those kids walk and go get cheesecake and all that stuff. And then it ultimately ended where none of them went on to do anything because of, for whatever reason, uh, much like Damon Dash's Ultimate Hustler on BET, where it, nobody really went on to do anything from that show either. It was just sort of like it was when making the band a bit more self-serving for the uh, Puff Daddy um and himself and Damon Dash and himself and whatnot, you know, the Damon Dash show ended up with, you know, the person who won the competition, won the show, uh, would have an internship. I think it was an unpaid internship uh, for one year working with Damon. But, you know, so I think in the case of WWE's Tough Enough, it turned out to being a very self-serving thing for the company itself, for WWE. It showed that, uh, sort of pulled back the curtain of how it, how and what it takes to become a professional wrestler under the training, watchful eye of their trainers that are a part of the WWF at the time, now WWE. But if you think about it, nobody really went on to do anything in the business. And I was always like, you know, you had Maven, you had Nydia, you had uh, Jackie Gaeta, you had, uh, and now mind you, Nydia and Gaeta were just, they were, you could have done wonders with them just based off of looks. You know, I believe Jackie Gaeta was also a fitness model, you know, and she was like, she was very exotic looking. She was, you know, she was an attractive woman. I'm not going to lie. As well as Nydia, I thought she was an attractive woman as well, but they didn't really do much with them. And, um, Maven, his claim to fame was that I think he was the hardcore champion at one point or maybe a couple of times. And he, uh, he eliminated the undertaker at, uh, I believe it was the 2002 Royal rumble when taker was a heel, he was playing the American badass. But other than that, they didn't go on to do anything. And of course, unfortunately we've had a number of, uh, casualties that have happened from WWE's tough enough. You know, we, as you know, many of you may have, may or not have known, but um, an individual that was becoming a somewhat of a prominent fixture, as if you hear any noise, please bear with me. Um, okay, so we're all back here. Little audio issue and some issues outside there, outside of the studio. But anyhow, we're back to where we're going here with this uh, tough enough talk. If you think about it, um, Matt Capitelli is no longer with us. He was a contestant on on the uh, the Tough Enough uh, show, and he had cancer. He had brain cancer. It it went away. It came back, and then he ultimately passed away not long ago. Okay, all right, we're back here once again. So I was I was saying. Okay, hopefully there's no more interruptions here. Thankfully, when you're hearing this, it doesn't sound like I'm pausing or doing anything here. Or there's no uh, awkward uh, dead air. Anyhow, uh, Matt Capitelli passed away. He had caught. Um, he had had brain cancer, and he had uh, 
defeated it at one point and it came back and then not long ago he had passed away from the same brain cancer when it came back. Brian Danovich, the Spartan swinger who was then a part of uh, the Tough Enough cast at one point and was one of the standouts, eventually ended up doing some podcasting, doing some uh, in-your-head wrestling radio with... uh, my buddies there, Neil Jones and Troy Jones and the rest of the crew there in One Inch Biceps. Uh, he ultimately, uh, I believe at some point last year, had committed suicide. Uh, nobody has really gone on to do anything in that show. So it seemed like it was almost cursed because, you know, nobody went on to do anything. Um, you know, it's almost like the diva search, except for there was a few people who did stand out. Of course, uh, Christy Hemi did do something in the business. Um, I think they could have done a lot more with her, both in WWF and, excuse me, WWE and with Impact Wrestling. But, you know, she was only getting better in the ring. But ultimately, you know, when you look at the Diva search, that's a whole nother story. But Tough Enough just ultimately led to nothing. It really did lead to nothing. Uh, where's Maven now? Where's Nidia now? I think there's an interview that has come out um, on, um, I believe it is... Um, uh, Chris Van, Chris Van, uh, ah, oh shit, Chris Van Villiet, I believe his name is. I can't remember. I, I'm screwing up his name, but uh, and I listen, I watch his stuff all the time. It's crazy. I think he has an interview with with uh, Nidia. I believe it's him who has the interview, or it could be What Culture, or uh, I. Oh my God, I'm losing my I'm losing my mind here. But one of you who's out there, who's listening to this, you know who I'm speaking about, did an interview with Nydia recently and about her whereabouts and whatnot. Um, you know, like Maven, I don't know where he's at. Nydia, don't know. Jackie Gata, I believe from when I last remember, uh, she was in Impact Wrestling, aka TNA Wrestling at the time. Uh, I think they could have done wonders with her again just on the marketing standpoint being that she was so uh she was so attractive in her appearance and also she um you know she wrestled a little bit here and there but i mean she could have been one of those people that could have you know really um really showcased her talent if she was given a proper opportunity and i think eventually she ended up marrying charlie haas from uh, the world's greatest tag team along with Shelton Benjamin. But yeah, she had married Shelton Benjamin and they, she ultimately became a mother and all of that with um, in, in her relationship, her marriage with Charlie. And I don't think I had ever seen her again after that. But um, there was um, there was a, a number of people who, who either won uh, or was tied for winner uh, for... For the winner of the the tough enough that again nobody really went anywhere um uh the the young lady i'm forgetting her name now uh she was very athletic she was a she was african-american uh she was very athletic and she ended up managing the the basham brothers and it's sort of like a dominatrix gimmick and that didn't go anywhere and then where does she end up you know what i mean so uh i mean I think if you think about this, really think about this, you know, Tough Enough was cursed. It really was cursed. Uh, I don't, you know, if they were to ever do a competition like this again, which I find that highly unlikely, unless they're just doing it to just add more content to their network, I think it would really just be a waste of time. You know what I mean? Um, If you're not really, you're not really, um, 
uh, you're not really getting into the idea that you're going to really make something of these people and really give them a push, a proper push, and do something with them, then there's no point in doing it. It's unfortunate, but I do think that Tough Enough was cursed because there's been, honestly, on there's been deaths that have been tied to this show now, and there's, you know, coincidentally, of course, but not directly because of the show, obviously, but, you know... Um, Brian Danovich was so super entertaining and he was so super entertaining when he had joined in your head wrestling radio and you know it's unfortunate he was a he was a collector also he was collecting action figures and then I think at one point he sold them and I think he was trying to build back his collection and then you know the depression of not being able to get in there and compete a hundred percent and then of course we know Matt, Cap Matt Capitelli, Capitelli with his um, with his cancer coming back and then ultimately um, taking his life uh, away from him and his opportunity to get back in the ring somehow. Um, you know, there's always the stories of what Bob Hawley and him had in that ring uh, or during the training or whatever the case have you, where he got hit really hard with the steel chair, you know, on the head or whatever. And I mean, there's just a lot of things that you hear. And, um, you know, Daniel Pewter was another one who... He ultimately, having sort of won the competition from what I remember back in 2004, I believe, or 2005, and he, uh, he locked up Kurt Angle in the middle of the ring, almost embarrassing him, you know, he, and he always, that basically became his 15 minutes of fame, you know, being a tough enough winner is that he had locked up Kurt Angle in a, in a key lock, I think his arm or something, and uh, he says he could have snapped Kurt's um, you know, arm, his wrist or whatever. But, I mean, that, that was ultimately it. I think he eventually went back to mixed martial arts, and then that was it. There was nothing that came of his wrestling, his actual wrestling career. Now, I see him on LinkedIn all the time because I think we're connected on LinkedIn, but, um, I mean, ultimately... Nobody really went on to do anything, and it just seemed like the show was just very self-serving, which, you know, probably anybody could have seen that, but I do think it was cursed. I do think it was cursed, and I think it's something that maybe should never be rehashed. I don't know if they have it available on the network. Uh, I don't, I'm not a subscriber of the WWE Network. Um, I can always find out and get things another way. Uh, the legal way, mind you, in order to find out and, and to look at some of the content that WWE has on the network. I think eventually I might get the network just because, you know, I've heard so much about it. I've heard a lot of great things about it. And of course, I've heard, you know, obviously the technical issues that there might be, but they've pretty much have streamlined the, um, the network to the point where it's like you can, you know, you can get anything and grab anything that they put up there and watch it without a glitch or without an issue. So I think eventually I might pay the uh, whatever it's at now. I think, you know, they were pushing $9.99 for the longest time. I think it's more than that, a couple dollars more than that. I think I'll eventually I'll get it and, you know, inter entertain myself watching it and have their content entertain me because, you know, I actually, before it became the WWE Network, it became, uh, it was coming from the uh, the name WWE 24-7. This is when I was with Rogers Cable here in Toronto uh, back in like 2005, 2006. And I subscribed to Rogers Cable at the time and had 
subscribe to the WWE Network. So I was getting a lot of different content and they were already pretty um, robust with their library because they had already bought the AWA library. They had already bought... Uh, acquired the uh, ECW library, the WCW slash NWA library for the most part, the NWA stuff that they had. Of course, they had their own, um, their own very extensive library dating back from the WWF when Vince Sr. was running the company, you know, Capital Wrestling, you know, Maple Leaf Wrestling, uh, you know, um, I think at some point they had acquired the UWF uh I think they acquired the UWF library maybe about two years after they started the 24-7 network. But yeah, I, I had subscribed to it at the time. I can't remember what it was uh, in terms of cost back then, but I was I know I was paying a monthly for it, but I was getting a lot of content. This is back when you were still able to videotape, and I was taping a lot of stuff off of the network, off of the 24-7. So I did enjoy it back then. Oh, of course, they had the WCCW, the World Class Championship Wrestling Library going as well. So they had an ample amount of footage, but uh, I can only imagine what they have now. I know, again, as I said, they've had a, a lot of uh, very entertaining original programming on there. Uh, a lot of the documentaries I want to get to, including The Last Ride of The Undertaker, I want to get to that docuseries. And then some of the other documentaries I've seen that they've been promoting as of late. I want to get into that. But Tough Enough, is it on there? I'm not sure. Uh, you, the wrestling listener uh, of this particular show, please let me know. If you're a wrestling podcaster, please let me know. I'm not sure. I'm going to find out at some point before um, you know, I get to the next show next week. And maybe I might report back to you and say, yes, Tough Enough is on the network. But uh, just let me know. But anyhow, I do believe that the Tough Enough... Uh, you know, show was cursed in some regard. I think it was doomed almost for failure from the very beginning because, look, you know, the company gets criticized for a lot of bad things, but, you know, they they have to be given credit for a lot of positive things. The Tough Enough was very entertaining for me, and I know when seeing Taz on there, like the example of when he, I think it was the first season, and he went up in that uh, those gentlemen's room when they were sleeping and saw the Goldberg picture at the time when WCW had been bought out and ripped it down and was like you know we don't we don't want this shit on the on the wall here and whatever like Taz was a militant militant individual persona on that show and of course Hugh Morris was a part of it I mean there was a whole bunch of other people Al Snow and um, it was very entertaining for what it was worth at the time. And, of course, Brian Danovich was one of the biggest standouts. You know, Jackie Gata, of course, uh, Nidia, and so on and so forth. But, you know, I hope that all those individuals, those of that have survived, are still alive today, are doing well, and they're doing something with themselves that gives them uh, some satisfaction and pays their bills and whatnot. And who knows, maybe down the road we might eventually see one of these individuals get in there um, you know, Zack Ryder, I believe he was a part of, not Zack Ryder, um, uh, John Morrison, I believe was a part of the Tough Enough uh, cast at one point, and he went on to actually do some big things in the business, but uh, he's one of the rare standouts, and I believe, um, I think The Miz, I'd be dare, I, I would dare say The Miz, but I mean, the, the, the reality show, of Tough Enough didn't spawn a whole lot of stars after that because, 
it just didn't, I don't know, you could say it was almost doomed for failure right from the beginning because even if they have talent that comes over to them that is handed to them on a silver platter, the company gets criticized for dropping the ball on this talent because they're not homegrown WWE talent. And so what would you expect if you have a show, a reality show tough enough and you don't know what to do with their talent that they're home growing in front of the world on national television? So, you know, it is what it is. But anyhow, that's it for me. I'm going to come back for our third and final segment. Like I said, it is a shorter show today. Uh, we're probably going to hit maybe the 45 minute mark and then the show will be over. Who knows how the third segment will go, but we will find out after these messages, a word from our sponsor, TFE radio wrestling. will be back after these messages. Why Amazon's audible? Amazon's Audible content includes more than 180,000 audio programs from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Be sure to use our unique URL at www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio to get started today. And we are back here for TFE Radio Wrestling, Episode 5, 5 time, for Saturday, November 28th, 2020. Once again, I'm your humble host and narrator, James Strink Navarro. We are going to get to our third and final segment, which is the throwback match of the week. Now, hence the title, 5 time. I would be remiss if I did not bring up 5 time WCW World Heavyweight Champion and WWE Hall of Famer Booker T, the throwback match of the week is when he became, for the fifth time, WCW World Heavyweight Champion. This would be his first WCW World title under the WWF banner at the time after the WWF had bought out WCW. And Booker T had then uh, given up his right to have his contract paid out by AOL Time Warner, like a lot of stars did, including Ric Flair and Shane Douglas, Jeff Jarrett. He decided that he wanted to take the buyout and join WWF immediately. And so they immediately started to push him on the top of the card, including six days before, or was it five days before? I think it was um, six days. Six days, I believe it was, where Kurt Angle in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in his hometown, defeated... Booker T for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I think it was done to obviously pop a rating and then to then uh, have Kurt as the big hometown hero as he had been one of the top stars in the business at that time. And then, of course, his, uh, his program that he was already involved in, which started from a friendship thing to then a enemy thing during the program uh, where... Kurt Angle and Steve Austin, both who were uh, hurt at the time or were taking some time off, were doing backstage segments and, uh, uh, you know, skits together, including wearing the very small cowboy hats, which you saw not long ago when uh, Austin had interviewed Kurt uh, during the, um, the Broken Skull sessions or Stone Cold's podcast there on the network. Kurt had dropped the... Uh, he had dropped 
uh, Booker T to win the WCW World Championship. This was the WWF version of the WCW World Title. Again, it was the big gold belt at the time, which would then they would later adapt as, or excuse me, adopt into the big gold belt for the WWE brand that was mostly and predominantly used on the Raw brand when they were about to do the brand split and they ultimately um, continued to use the big gold belt, which is my one of my favorite. I think the big gold belt, just to speak about this real quick, uh, both gentlemen, both Booker and Kurt, you know, both WWE Hall of Famers, both Hall of Famers uh, through and through, both were... Uh, holders of that big gold belt but that big gold belt has always been my favorite design my favorite championship my favorite world championship in professional wrestling ever when rick flair uh dusty Rhodes, those uh, ricky steamboat had all held that title that title was just beautiful beautiful that's the most beautiful world title i've ever seen in my life i would say my favorite world championship right now in the business is absolutely by far the aew world heavyweight championship that belt is beautiful and you know no uh no disrespect i mean again in the top five i would say in the world championships and what they look like now and how beautiful they are i say the aew world championship the mlw world championship the uh new japan heavyweight uh world heavyweight championship and give or take i would say um you know i i I, you know i've never really i'm gonna be honest i was never really a big fan of it but i've come to learn to love it a lot more but it was uh nick aldis right now he is the nwa world champion for billy corgan's nwa that that original NWA world title, it has grown on me now that I've been watching NWA and Power, NWA Power, and then their, their, their content that they have coming up soon. And of course, they have their relationship going with AEW, which is a whole other story. But Nick Aldis as the NWA world champion and him holding that belt, that old, that much older NWA world title, has that's the one that Ric Flair had held when he first became champion for the first time. Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race. Uh, Giant Baba, um, you know, uh, Terry Funk, you know, Dory Funk, I mean, um, Jack Briscoe. That's the belt that I was never a fan of, but I've become a fan of it now. I would So I would throw that into the top five beautiful championships of today in professional wrestling. And um, I would say the Ring of Honor champion, World Championship. Yeah, I think those are the most beautiful world titles in order of uh, my preference in the business right now. But again, the AEW world title blows everyone away. The big gold belt was being traded back and forth. Pittsburgh, hometown, uh, I believe it was SmackDown. Um, uh, Kurt had become the WCW world champion under the WWF banner. And then days later in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, dropped the title. Excuse me, it was, I think, five days later. Um, Booker had defeated Kurt Angle for the WCW World Championship, again, under the WWF banner. This was around the time of when they were already had formed the Invasion Angle and the Invasion pay-per-view had come about. This was July 30th of 2001. 
So a lot of things have happened since then, as we know, including, of course, 9-11 and, you know, just the brand split, WWE's, you know, ups and downs as a company. And then the start of uh, TNA, now known as Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, of course, eventually AEW Wrestling and all the other promotions that have come and gone throughout uh, MLW, of course. Uh, started about a year later in 2002 and then lasted until about maybe 2004, 2005, went out of business, came back only in 2013, 2014, around somewhere around there, maybe even a little bit later. Um, and yeah, so Booker defeats Kurt when, you know, it turns into a big clusterfuck. But of course, on commentary, it was uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, uh, no, excuse me, Jerry Lawler had actually left the company at that time earlier that year due to the dispute uh, with his uh, his woman at the time, Kat, uh, Miss Kitty. Uh, he walked out of the company. So Paul Heyman, who after, uh, <laughs> as the story goes, he didn't tell anyone that WCW was done, had jumped ship to WWF and was on commentating with Jim Ross ever since the early part of 2001. So here he was on commentating with Jim Ross. So it was Heyman and Ross on commentating. And of course, uh, Heyman was already a part of the Alliance, which was comprised of WCW and uh, the ECW faction that he was leading up. And of course, WCW was being led by Stephanie McMahon and Shane McMahon, who in storyline had bought WCW earlier that year. Both gentlemen were on commentating. And um, Steve Austin, who had turned on the WWF and had joined the Alliance. He was the current, at the time, WWF World Heavyweight Champion. He was engaging in a program with Kurt Angle as they were about to have their eventual showdown, World Champion versus World Champion at SummerSlam, that year's SummerSlam in 2001. Uh, Kurt would then ultimately face and defeat, uh, from what I remember, he had defeated Steve Austin for the world title at Unforgiven that year, if I'm not mistaken, or it could have been reversed. I think it was actually Austin defeated Angle at SummerSlam 2001, and then Kurt defeated him at Unforgiven. Uh, but then again, I could be wrong. I'm just going off the top of my head, and I, in the interest of time, I don't want to look up anything at the moment. But those of you listening, you can correct me if I'm wrong, or you can say I'm right. Um, but the, the match went off without... Um, Anything short of a bit of a controversy, of course, to keep Kurt strong and keep the Angle-Austin uh, program going and keep Booker strong as well, uh, winning the WCW World title for the fifth time. It was his first WCW World Championship under the WWF banner, and of course, Shane McMahon had gotten involved, Austin had gotten involved, Kurt was battling both of them, there was a referee bump, um, and then... Uh, Charles Robinson, who had come over from WCW in the buyout as well, was a WCW referee, came and did the quick count in which Angle actually kicked out and then started to clean house. And then uh, as he had hit the Angle slam on Booker, uh, he went for the count. And then uh, as he was cleaning house, Austin gets up and gives him the Stone Cold Stunner and Angle goes down, Booker goes for the cover, Booker becomes the now five-time world heavyweight champion, and hence the uh, double entendre in naming this episode, as this is our fifth 
episode and our fifth time being our five time being on the air with you the tfe radio wrestling listener and of course this was the night that booker becomes the wcw world champion for the fifth time so it all ties together and that is your throwback match of the week so i hope that you enjoyed that and i hope that you enjoyed the little insight there as well as i try to give as much as possible off the top of my head I did watch the match just before I had started this show. Um, But that's it for me, everybody. Again, it was a shorter, shorter episode this time. Uh, If you want to listen to longer episodes, you can always listen to some of our previous weeks of TFE Radio Wrestling. And if you like what you hear and you would like to share, subscribe, you can share, subscribe, download in, in that particular order or any particular order you would like. Obviously, you got to download the show to listen to it if you wish to keep it. Or you can just listen to it from whatever podcast platform you're listening on our 60-plus platforms that we are distributed on, including our new one that I'm going to tell you about. Our newest one is a big one. We are now on Amazon Music. The podcast section that they've now opened up to their 55 plus and growing listeners. Now, Canada is not a part of uh, the accessibility in terms of countries that you can access our show through. Of course, if you're in Canada, you're worldwide, you have all our other platforms where your platforms are available to your country, which is for the most part, every and any country on the planet, you can listen to our show. But if you want to specifically listen to us through your Amazon music profile, you can listen to us through the following six countries that uh, is just six countries that are there available as there it's a new platform they're still expanding they're still growing it they're still growing all the countries to be added to that list and eventually canada will be added to that as i mentioned in the trinidad show trinidad will eventually be added to it all the other countries but we are now a part of amazon music in the podcast section we are available through amazon music in the following countries we are available on as i get to it we are now available on amazon music the podcast section just look up tfe or tfe radio tfe hyphen radio you can look us up if you are and we have unique urls there as well if you look at my social media post on instagram i'll get to the social media part in a second if you check my instagram at tfe navarro and TFE Navarro on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you know, and what have you. I made the post and I made the announcement that we have our links up there. You could check us out on those links and you can click. It's like magic, like Neil Jones says from In Your Head Wrestling Radio. Click it like magic and it will take you to your country specific uh, version of where you can find us on Amazon Music. So those following six countries that we are available through Amazon Music is the United States, United Kingdom, Japan, Germany, and Brazil, and Mexico. Those are our six countries that we you can listen to us through Amazon Music. Like I said, Canada, Trinidad, the rest of the world will be added on eventually, but that is our newest platform. We're on Amazon Music. And you can check us out on their podca- their podcast platform. 
which is now a podcast distribution platform for us, TFE Radio, the network. And of course, if you would like to uh, not only share and subscribe and download and all that, you can also help us out monetarily, if you wish, using our unique URL from Amazon's Audible service, as you heard throughout the show that you're listening to and all previous shows before that. As you hear the commercials, you could use our unique URL at www.audibletrial.com slash TFE. And you can help us out as we get a little kickback if you use and activate the Amazon Audible service for the first 30 days. You get your free audio book download for free, whether you keep the service or not. You have access to almost 200,000 plus titles and all types of content on Amazon's Audible service. And you can also uh, keep the book regardless if you keep the service. If you keep the service after the 30 days, you pay $14.95. And then uh, still we will get our kickback and uh, it will help us out to produce bigger and better shows, bigger and better content uh, in all forms of content creation under the TFE radio network, under the TFE banner. And uh, if... You would like to donate straight away from PayPal. We have our unique URL for our PayPal, which is www.paypal.me slash TFE Navarro. That's www.paypal.me slash TFE Navarro, T-F-E-N-A-V-A-R-R-O. And the money will go directly to my PayPal account set up for uh, all things business that I do online, including reselling and, of course, you know anything to do with market research and, of course, for you guys. Of course, of course. So if you'd like to help us out that way, you can do so by donating whatever you amount you wish. Uh, everything and everything and anything under uh, the money side of things is always going to be a help and very much appreciated. And of course, if you're not able to do any monetary uh, donations helping us out that way, you click, you share, you subscribe, you download, you do all that. You could also join us on social media. You could do if and or the other you could do all of it or you could do one of it as long as you're doing something to help us out and to uh, keep us free and keep us uh, sucker free on top of that so as we are a sucker free network you can go ahead and uh, still join us on social media regardless if you help us monetarily Uh, you could join me on social media as i mentioned on Instagram, TFE Navarro, T F E N N A V A R R O. That's Instagram or Facebook, or you can look up James Navarro. I guess it's the same profile picture that you would find everywhere else. You could join me at TFE Navarro on Twitter. You could follow me there. You could also look up James Navarro or find TFE Navarro uh, if you know how to work the unique URLs there, which you'll see it on some of our platforms. The links will be there. James Navarro or TFE Navarro on LinkedIn. And I think that's it. I've covered everything and that is all for us for now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed this very short and to the point episode of TFE Radio Wrestling, our fifth episode, five times. And we will be back here for the sixth time, our sixth week, next week, as there will be a lot more to talk about, including, of course, AEW Dynamite, uh, winter is coming is what they're building it up as as the biggest dynamite episode to date 
since they started the show over a year ago. And I'm sure there will be a lot of other things going on, including in the WWE, Ring of Honor, and so on and so forth. Whatever is noteworthy and I want to talk about it, I'll talk about it right here next week. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night, everyone. Bye for now.